0: Hello and welcome to June's Marvel Football Podcast Edition. Full season ended, but still, actually, there is football going on. I mean, it's even made its way to Channel 4,
1: Harry. <laughs> it certainly has. I mean, what have you made of the air coverage on there? Because it's definitely split some opinion with a few of the guests, including a certain Mike alone. It's
0: one of those, isn't it? where I think new broadcaster trying to do new things. I mean, I do appreciate that international football is coming on to the well the 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 freedom of the free tv and Which it's not, it should be i think every should england
1: game should be free to wear for everybody to see
0: yeah because i think previously the nation's league was on sky sports it was yeah 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 now what we have is it, it, it's a lot more um well accessible uh it what well, we, we've had we've had games on itv now they're all on channel four all the england games are on channel four uh as part of a new revolution for the channel, I suppose. It's not really been renowned for sports. In the past, I think, uh, Gazetta used to be Channel 5, did it not? Or did it use Channel 4 as well, I think, a long time ago. It used to yeah. be Gazetta, where that was like... No, it was Channel
1: 4. Cause I'm, I'm trying sure to channel think of f- other sports, because, I mean... T- I don't think the obviously the Olympics was always on BBC, but was the Paralympics? Paralympics
0: right? was on Channel, Channel 4, Four, yeah. Horse racing used to have a, a home on Channel Four, yeah. John now Mc Mc ITV now, now, isn't it? It's on Channel Four, yeah. It's
1: ITV now. ITV I'm had recently. Chamberlain,
0: isn't it, who, who usually does it now? So yeah, it's not been renowned for sports as Channel Four to be fair. Obviously Paralympics aside, so to get its hands on the on, on this on this tournament's quite a big thing for it. Like you say mixed results with the coverage. I haven't minded it too much for me, you know. Football's football anyway. You, you yeah, so long as they are. Not completely talking out of their backside, the people on there. I think I think I don't think it's too bad. That's what this podcast's for. <laughs> <laughs> got us two. <laughs> yeah, yes, yes, yes. To be fair, I realise I introduced you, Harry. I didn't even introduce Johnny me, but you probably got that by now if you if you've been listening to these podcasts, random wittering man with accent isn't really recognizable, talking to clearly Geordie Mann from <laughs> Newcastle. Someone asked me, they said, Johnny, what is your accent recently? And I said, You know what? I don't know. Because there's someone in the office, Harry, and they said are you chasing middle class <laughs> you, you do
1: have quite a middle-class I accent. Said, I said, going. do
0: you know what, dear girl? I think I might be. God <laughs> God. God. <laughs> my God. I ride my horse to work every day. <laughs> you have to <laughs> elocution lessons. Elocution, exactly. £20 an hour. <laughs> Just, <laughs> yeah, Some people need them, honestly. But yeah, no, it's... I think... I think yeah, we're just having a little discussion on on how good it is to have uh, free football back. To be fair, free sport is always good on the television. Um, you know, actually, to be fair, they took a bit of the BBC's Olympics rights away, didn't they, to Eurosport? So yeah. they, you, which was a bit sad because I think the Olympics are one of those where you should always have the whole thing, even though it had the the main things. I remember when I was younger, I remember when it was the London Olympics. Yeah. you just have red button and you could see everything.
1: Uh huh. And the now the thing is, I think with the Olympic coverage because obviously it was like you know, the time difference as well. Like most of the events were on like 3, 4am and the BBC just had the highlights package. So I imagine we we won't see a proper representation of that until we get to the the Olympics coming up, which is, I think, in Paris. So, But I think I agree with you on that front in terms of, I think, any sport which is covering a national country, whether that's cricket, rugby, football, Olympics, should all be free to wear really in, in this country.
0: And can you remember, actually, a long time ago when the EFL was on BBC sometimes and they had some live EFL games on the BBC? I actually
1: remember watching Newcastle and yeah. uh, against Bristol City when Nicky Maynard was up top. That was the one year, well, well one of the two years we were in the championship. But yeah. seeing that the EFL show after match of the day... It, it was it, really good. It hit different. With Manish? Yes. Yeah, yeah. To be fair, Quest haven't done a bad job
0: with Colin Murray. It's moving away
1: from uh, Quest, though, isn't it? Yeah,
0: Move it's back ITV. to... Yes. Which is which is giving you the vibes of when I first watched it, it was the championship and it was like it was what was the song that used to front it? It's a beautiful Beautiful day. That one. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a banging tune. And it used to be Matt Smith, who's a fantastic presenter, goes around. He used to be joined by one pundit and they used to discuss like there was the main game. And then there was all like, you know, the usual highlights and whatnot. And you always, when I was younger, I always wanted to, you know, following Burnley, it's how I used to be like, oh, will Burnley be the main game this week? No. Okay, it's a 20 second edit, isn't it? Instead, we <laughs> either have the seven minutes or the 20 second edit, but it will be interesting to see it back on
1: the ITV. I'd love Matt Smith to do it. Again, feel very nostalgic if mm-hmm. Matt Smith got I think TV. Colin Murray's like the best bet, but it doesn't sound like he's doing it. No, did you go well, to a friendly, I did, in the press box. Colin Murray? No, when I was in the press box, Ian Holloway. I saw Ian Holloway. Because he's obviously
0: covering the uh... and shout out to uh, my friend Rodney, fantastic guy to be fair. Uh, And I, I, I was saying to Harry actually, I met him at Spurs, Man United, the first I think it was the first Premier League game I covered this season, and then it seemed poetic to then have. Uh, a lovely lunch with him, uh, three course lunch I think, provided by Wembley it was lovely stuff. Honestly, <laughs> the really. life of a freeloader. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it is the life <laughs> of a freeloader. And obviously, when you're in Wembley, you have to put the accent on. So it's like, oh yes, thank you very much for this wonderful, wonderful um, buffet. Is that the word? I don't know, but it was really good. Now I bumped into Holloway. Was Mary? Colin Murray would have been there. Quest, wouldn't it? Because they would have been covering Quest. Yeah. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. No, he's done a very good job actually, and he was on Channel Five I think doing it as well, wasn't he? I'm sure he's. In think so yeah he's definitely he definitely did it in the past and i think
1: he i think he did it towards the latter end of their time but i'm not 100 percent sure either way very very good presenter Seeing like, that see no matter what track record with championship and efl highlights presenters has always been good so i think whoever whoever comes in on itv is going to do a good job i hope so yeah so if have I... to follow colin murray yeah maybe very good. we could do it we'd be good
0: well, I think so. I, th- I think you know. I think there's a gap in the market for a, a person without a distinguishable accent and and uh, a man from a man from the northeast. Um, I can change it if they
1: want a northern voice. I can go back to. my I can ears. put a telephone voice on. Go on. You know. Hello and welcome to Financial. the EFL highlights show. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: Football hotline. <laughs> this is yeah. what you
1: all tuned into to listen to us pitch presenting present idea no, for. I I right, I, the I think EFL highlights. Would be wonderful, would be wonderful, but
0: course, the thing is though, I don't mind. I think it's always nice we don't often talk, and it was a bit spontaneous discussing the presentation of football. But it is a it's a wide thing, the, the way football is presented on, on on in the media. The fact that we don't probably have as much free football as other countries do in some aspects, I think is quite sad. I don't mean football. I mean I mean rugby. Although there has been a bit of rugby coming on actually, to be fair, there has rugby's been bit... always
1: been on. on yeah. The... But yeah, I think cricket's a one that's you know it's Sky only now. I mean Channel Four get the odd. BT highlights. as
0: well, isn't it? BT yeah. have. A... have have got a monopoly on it as well bbc get highlights i think to the cricket now it used to be five it jumps around a lot but uh yeah it is sad a little bit because i think sports should be obviously you're going to have some behind a paywall and then some would argue harry as well that certainly with some of the bigger tournaments on the free to air suddenly the news is on and you don't have time to reflect on it whereas a a sky or a bt will spend an hour an hour and a half dissecting what's just happened and sometimes i think that can be a good thing gives a bit more gravitas to an event we've seen the fa cup final for example and after 15 minutes it's the news mm. so that's not great and you don't get proper post-match stuff but there should be a healthy balance i think shouldn't there between paid and you know the free stuff
1: yeah i think there should be a healthy balance mm. but when you're paying for content you yeah. expect the best in terms of analysis and post-match like monday night football i mean that, yeah. that's probably worth yeah. the sky sports subscription alone just listening yeah. to to that pre and post game but when you, you went know, a free to air product I don't think you can really expect sparkles in terms of the presenting team, the punditry team, the commentating team and your analysis after the game because ultimately you're not really paying for the package outside of a TV licence.
0: I completely agree, yeah. Which is why I said, like, good to have the choice but maybe not one in all of the camp because obviously it would be impossible with what the Premier League makes in revenue to just say, oh, we'll slump it on BBC One because it would never work. But again, like you say, things like Monday Night Football and analysis shows like that, give a bit more time to the sport you're paying for it uh kind of do give more value to the product that is you know some of the best football in the world but anyway so yeah Nations League has started um yay talking about that and yeah I I, again this is a discussion I usually have and I have had on previous podcasts my own podcast and things like this and I sort of say things along the lines of well What's the what's the point now in in Nations League? Now I get Nations League is better than pointless international friendlies, but at least with pointless pointless international friendlies, you know you can sort of you can you can sort of play anyone you want, and it's just sort of there. Oh, well, we're not playing for anything. Give give the best players a rest. We'll get, give the players that have played a lot of rest, shall we say? Maybe give a chance to some newbies. No no real competition. A lot of the public aren't really that bothered now, I don't think, because they've just seen that the, the, the their teams play in, in the divisions. Now, some people will argue argue with me. Yeah, but this gives an opportunity for teams to get qualified to, into uh, tournaments, which is true, actually. Teams apart from England will say, actually, this gives us another chance to qualify for a major tournament. Fair, fair dues, fair play, and it gives a bit of a chance, I suppose, for smaller teams that wouldn't do as well at the at the, at the World Cup or the Euros or Copper America. Well, Copper Copper America kind it? of, because it's u, u- league <laughs> but you know what I mean. uh Gives those smaller teams in Euros or World Cup to have a chance, have some glory. So, am I looking at it maybe from sort of the elitist perspective and saying, well, no one no one really cares, but I suppose the smaller nations do care. Uh, And even with the qualifiers as well, we saw that, I think. Nations League and qualifiers aside, the the delayed Wales-Ukraine match. Well, it was Scotland-Ukraine and then it went to Wales-Ukraine. I mean, that was probably, for me, the best match that I've seen of the international games. Because they felt like there was such a big weight riding on it from both teams. And you got the sense that both of those teams knew what it meant, the gravitas. There was so much nervous energy in the stadium. That felt like a, that felt like what I wanted to see, you know, two teams really battling it out for a place in the big time, as opposed to watching some of the big teams now that really I, I don't don't know if they should even be playing.
1: Yeah, because that was World Cup qualifier, yeah. and like, ultimately they're playing for a huge prize. With the Nations League, I thought last year it was good, but I feel now that the novelty's sort of worn off from it, and especially when you they, even you know the Premier League sides, the likes of the Liverpool players like Alexander Arnold, he's yeah. played how many games this season? You know, 50-odd matches, you know, FA Cup, Champions League, FA Cup, Premier League. And then he's having to go and play some, like, daft, glorified friendly for England. And you can see that half the players, they can't be bothered. Where if we were just to have some friendlies at the end of the season, you wouldn't have an onus to call up those Mm. top players. And you'd give, like you said, some of the players who may not get a call up or may not get game time. A, a chance to play for England like Sir James Madison not getting a call mm. up after you know a great end of the season the reason they've not picked him is because Southgate's got to go with the squad he knows and the, this so-called best team to mm. go and have a crack at the Nations League and I think we've seen with that performance against Hungary that I think a lot of the players just want to be uh, with Wayne Lennick or Ocean Peach <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: or, or watching Love Island maybe <laughs> or even <featuring laughs> they're
1: doing him. that anyways at St yeah, George's
0: yeah, Park sure they are uh, I'm sure I'm sure Michael Owen might. Maybe isn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's no. trying to avoid it. he <laughs> think he is? I think he was asked about it on Channel Four actually, and he says, "I got, I, I, I came out here to avoid that, which is, which is fair." Um, I think, I think it's been reflected though. I mean, France losing two one to Denmark. Probably wouldn't happen. You know, and not no disrespect to Denmark, but. I mean, to be fair, it could happen. We saw we saw France lose to Switzerland in in, in the Euros, and, and and we've Denmark are a very decent team, probably one of the most underrated teams in Europe. But again, a potential upset against France. Croatia won, France one, and again, okay, you probably on another day expect France to take that. Czech Republic two, Spain two. Again, uh, Luis Enrique Spain, a bit of an identity about them now, albeit not the same Spain team that that dominated ten, fifteen years ago but a promising group of young players m- blended with a bit of experience and an outstanding coach, probably the best international coach um, around, uh, you know, 2-2 with Czech Republic, probably a bit of a, of, a, of a surprise result in terms of what we see on paper and what we expect from nations. Um, so it's not been not just England, really, that's faulted a little bit uh, with the Hungary game. It's it sort of happened with a few of the bigger nations. They're not quite delivered, maybe as they should. I mean, Netherlands, also a big nation, but beating Belgium 4-1. You know that 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 you wouldn't you wouldn't have that on paper. No. Um, is there a danger as well? Then you know we've got all these players playing so many games. I mean, it's just gonna you've got to World Cup at the end of the year. Strange timing, of course, but all these games, no proper rest, no proper time to have a break, go with families. They're gonna be mentally, physically. We we have this conversation every year, but in the in the in the pursuit of more money, more financial gain from the likes of UEFA and FIFA, players are gonna end up being mentally and physically destroyed when it comes to some big tournaments and both countries and clubs are going to suffer the the consequences of that aren't they
1: yeah because i think we've we've talked about this previously and said that players aren't probably not going to play as long as you see you know like so Buffon playing until he's like 42 yeah. it's it's the retirement age is probably going to you know st- I would say the average retirement age of a footballer now is around 35. I honestly think in the next 10 to 15 years' time, it's going to be around 32, 33. And that's just because of the demand of games. And look, I'm not saying footballers have got a hard life. I mean, Christ, they haven't. But you, you've got to feel for them in terms of the, the physical part of the game and the mental part of the game as well. And like, you look at Liverpool and Man City last season, the end part where they just kept winning and winning every single week. And the demands were there. Having to go and play Champions League midweek, You know, imagine the, the toll that'll have took on them. We're now yeah. having to ask players to go and play in a World Cup, you know, a week later, I think it was because we are the first game on or the second game, aren't we, England, yeah. at, the, at the World Cup? So yeah. we're literally going to finish playing the Premier League and then a week later fly up to Qatar, yeah. try and get acclimatised to that country, train, yeah. and then play straight in an international tournament for a, potentially a month. You can see why, and I know a lot of people got annoyed by this, you can see why the FA are actually pushing for big six teams to not play the week before the end I of season.
0: I saw that, yeah. What's
1: your thoughts on that? Because I think there's a lot of people... I, I see the argument of going, hang on, why are we giving these teams special treatment? But ultimately, we all want the winter of our lives. We want to see England win a tournament. And in my yep. case, if this is going to strengthen our hand, which it will, look, rest is great for the players, yep. then I'm. to be honest, I'm all for it.
0: So am I, yeah. Um. So am I. I mean, I think the wider question I come... The wider discussion that comes out, and it only proves the likes of Jürgen Klopp, Pep Guardiola, right, is... The five substitution rule, and obviously, it is coming in. I think next season,
1: yeah,
0: uh, it's coming into play. But I think it has to be the norm because while we think, oh, why are we changing football? Football's changing from beyond, you know, from beyond what we see on the pitch because we suddenly we don't realise it, but we're suddenly having more games being played internationally getting more tournaments yeah. coming in of course the champions league's going to be
1: reformed soon so we're going to see more games in the champions and with league with tv rights as well i mean like most of the your top teams are playing two three times a week well exactly so when 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 it comes
0: to this five substitution rule i was behind it before because you know when so many top managers are saying it you've got to listen anyway mm. um, and when you see the steady increase in matches across the season then I think you're bound to, uh, you need something to to give. And that way would be, I suppose, that if a team like Manchester City are winning 3-0 and it's 60 minutes in, they'll probably take maybe a defender off or another defender off, which they wouldn't be able to do before, give them some rest. But does it but- not
1: give an unfair advantage to those mm-hmm. top sides? Because I think it definitely makes the fight for... Yeah. The bottom sides. So you say for example Leeds are beating Man City 1-0 with 20 yeah. minutes to go yeah you know they're able to bring on another two superstars as opposed yeah. to you know just the standard three then it's going to give them a huge advantage isn't it it is but then it will give them an advantage
0: but you've got to also bear in mind that City are going to be playing more games generally you've also got to think would Man City have five players to bring on who are better than the five players that are, the 11 that are playing probably not no probably not I mean they're bringing on five good players, but let's say I mean right, let's let's say they they play the strength eleven, so who's gonna be on the bench? Gunduan, who's gonna come off? Bernardo Silva, maybe is gonna Gunduan better than Bernardo Silva, probably not. Uh then you might say, okay, Ake will probably bring...
1: be on for yeah, or Yeah, is exactly. Probably
0: not. Then you're gonna bring uh maybe maybe Grealish on for Sterling. Toss of a coin, I'd probably still have Sterling for for me over Grealish. Um then maybe Alvarez for Haaland, because they're the two new yeah. players. Again, none of them are actually improvements. So I they wouldn't, I don't think you'd make
1: five changes like that, really. It'd be more for the... to keep But the you, put them in, you put Gundogan and Leeds' team, would he not be their best player?
0: Yeah, but <laughs> but, but, but Leeds aren't playing 70 games or yeah. 60 games. So I, I, I understand the point that they're making, to be fair. And I don't think that Man City are going to be at 1-1 and they're going to say, right, we're going to bring five players on who are better than the players we've got on the pitch. I think that's a misconception, but they're not going to do that. Most cases where they use five subs, in my opinion, they'll be four nil up, and they'll need to. They'll think right. right Liverpool's four nil up on sixty minutes. Alexander Arnold and Robertson off, Simic and Gomez on. That's mm-hmm. the kind of changes yeah. you make when you. Do you know what I mean? So I think I don't think it's. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, when, when when Palace were playing City and it was nil-nil, everyone's going, why isn't Guardiola making
1: a change? He wants five changes. The thing is, he doesn't actually make subs. Yeah. Right, so it won a game. No, 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 no. <laughs>
0: but 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 everyone's going, why isn't Guardiola making changes? Uh, you know, he wants five changes. I do believe the five changes aren't for when it's nil-nil. I think it's for when it's four-nil. And they want to just want players yeah. to come off. I don't think it's for when it's tight, because you're not gonna bring you're gonna think, oh, I need five players who are better than the five players I've got on, if you get me. Or on par, because they're not the best 11's there on the pitch. So I think it's more for the sake of um, for the sake of fitness when you're already winning quite comfortably to you know to to just give other players a bit of freshness and, and rest some others. But anyway, yeah, uh, where was that going? Um, so yeah, I agree with your point as well to to maybe give the top six teams a bit of a, a push because they do it in other countries as well.
1: Well, that, that's know? the thing because we've seen like Spain they always give like preferential treatment to you know Atletico, Real, and Barcelona, and that is because you know most of their top players play for Spain. So hang on as well. Do you do because you, you were sort of going anti anti five subs? Would you be anti five subs? Um, on the grand scheme of things, I'm I'm too honest. I'm on the fence with it. To be fair, I know it sounds like a bit of a cop out answer, but Cheers, I Mike. see the I see the positives and the negatives to it. I think that the bottom sides will suffer. The top sides, you know, your teams like Arsenal, who are kind of not Champions League level, but aren't too far off. Are going to gain advantages from it, yeah. and the bottom sides who have not got a lot of quality will will fall short and drop points against teams that are able to bring on, you know, that little bit of extra quality. So I think that, if anything, it'll make the gap between the top sides and the bottom sides a little bit larger. But I see the argument in terms of, yes, these top sides are playing, you know, two, three times a week and they've got big squads, then, you know, you may as well use them. And like you kind of led towards theirs, they're not going to be bringing them on when it's nil-nil or one-one. They're going to be bringing them on when it's four-five-nil and they're Mm -hmm. genuinely just using it for a rest. So, yeah, I see the arguments to it, but I can understand why a lot of bottom teams aren't happy. But when you look at the consensus of managers out there, every manager in the league, it seems, wants the five subs. So yeah. if they want it, then, you know, you've got to, they know best ultimately.
0: Well, again, it's not like football's staying the same. Football's changing, like we've said. The get the schedules are getting more rigorous. The ta- the rest are getting shorter Um, because football's governing bodies are seeing more money each time we come up with, like you say, the Nations League, on paper is better than international friendlies but really is it is it is a cash grab isn't it i mean yeah. the idea as well of uh, uh which i was shocked with Arsenal megan coming up with the idea of a world cup every two years i really was i mean the only way yeah. that would work is if you ditch copper america and you ditch euros and then it's like you know because
1: gonna... i know what he's thinking because he's going well do the euros and the copper america every two years I have an international tournament every year but you've got to consider like player welfare and like look how yeah. knackers the top of the nationals it, are at this nation's and league and
0: it's like the argument i always say
1: if you do something too many times it's like having christmas twice a year yeah the, the novelty's yeah. gonna it's gonna take the shine off it isn't it like yeah. the world cups were so special because it's every four years exactly
0: yeah and you get you, you get england v brazil or argentina and then the euros is like a really good tournament as well as is copper america um but yeah it, it it absolutely takes novelty off and then I imagine players lose that novelty. Fans definitely will. Some fans won't. Some fans want football every single day of the ever, but most most don't. I don't think most likely. It's, it it's
1: why the Super League wouldn't have succeeded, other than the money, was because we'd be. You know, when we see Liverpool versus Real Madrid, we all get excited because it's not yeah. something we see every week. When yeah. you're getting it every two weeks in playing in, in Saudi Arabia, who's bothered? Yeah, well, you might be because you're. <laughs> you're, you're, you're
0: your your club's owned uh, by the state of Saudi Arabia, no, more more or less, but not the, um, not the state. As okay. the Premier League said. Yeah, well, yeah, it's not. Are we doing that with like those inverted comma bunny ears, that kind of thing? Legal binding assurances. Legal binding assurance. Right. Okay. Good. So, yeah, I yeah, very, 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 very sort of, yeah. It's
1: what I I don't. Do you like the way football's going? That's a tough question. No, I don't. Because right. I, I think the transfer fees have gone ridiculous. And that's ever since Neymar and PSG. And I think the PSG's influence on football is very, very damaging, to be fair. Yeah. I think that, like, look at the Mbappé deal. I think that's something we should probably discuss. Yeah. I mean, Christ, they had Emmanuel Macron, the president of their country, yeah. essentially joining in the negotiations with them. Yeah. Shouldn't be allowed, really, should it? No, no, no. Can you imagine Boris
0: joining in the negotiations? <laughs> well,
1: just, Boris yeah. joined in the negotiations for the Newcastle takeover. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, We love uh, football. Uh, there was no party here, but I don't think it would be. Uh, no, I don't. Th- I can't imagine that quite going as successfully. But well, no, I you're see right. It
1: like as well with UEFA and mm. obviously the threat of the Super League that they're kind of making the Champions League more and more like an old boys club. Where uh, is it 2024, 2025? They're bringing in this new rule where, say for example, West Ham finished fourth and Arsenal yeah. finished fifth. Arsenal qualified for the Champions League because they. Play okay, in... no,
0: no, not quite. From what I understand, it, so you have the top four. Right. And then the two highest seeded clubs across Europe in terms of UEFA coefficient will also.
1: In terms of of like England will be top this year because of the amount of trophies that we've won.
0: No, 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 no. So I I think it's down to the club. So if if, say Manchester United finish seventh, Manchester United's coefficient would be very high, probably. I don't know. I don't know off the top of my head. But if they were of the highest that didn't qualify in the league, naturally, whether it be top four, top three, top two, in their respective leagues, if they were one of the two outsiders that were the highest ranked, they would also
1: qualify, I believe. That's not fair. So they could finish seventh and, like, Newcastle could finish fifth and Man United would qualify for Champions League? Yes. It's what I understand. What
0: I understand. Have you got a source? I I do. Heinz ketchup. (laughs) (laughs) But I think it's... uh, that's no. I think it can be tinkered with. It can. I mean, it, oh, there's two years to go until this comes into play, so it can be tinkered with. It can be looked at, but from from what I understand, that's what they're looking
1: at. So it would be. I don't think anybody can be happy with the way the football's going. No. It's just turning more and more into a money grab, and I think as long as we go on, like the Super League, eventually it will happen. Like there's, there's nothing any of us football fans are going to be able to do on that front. I think. As much no. as they'll try and hide it, let's be honest, they're all working behind the scenes now to, to think of something else to try. And, you know, these owners are trying to grab the game yeah. from the fans and eventually they will succeed because money always wins, doesn't it? But I'm going to try and spin it back on you. Like, I don't think anybody can be happy with it. I don't know whether you are, but no. for me, I just think it's where we're losing our losing our game slowly. Yeah,
0: I think so. It, it, I think the, the only way a Super League could possibly work is if... There was relegation, and then each of the each of the leagues
1: had an opportunity to gain some kind of promotion. But the team. problem is, that there would never would be because essentially the Super League is all about these owners who are, you know, maybe frightened of the threat of the likes of PSG and can't compete with them financially. <clears throat> the American-owned football clubs <laughs> wanting to cash in on mega money every single year and create a monopoly. So there'll never ever be a relegation. It would essentially be a glorified NBA where we'd have. 20 or 30 clubs parading around the world like the Harlem Globetrotters. Trotters mm-hmm.
0: yeah I, I yeah it potentially I mean do you do you have a time frame on this when do you think it's 10 15 years less
1: have you seen how much football's changed in 10 years you look at it you look at transfer fees in the last five in the last 10 years alone
0: well Ronaldo went for 80 didn't he and that was how much was, 2000, yeah, 2008
1: and that, would be, and that would be 230 240
0: now but that's inflation as well isn't it
1: yeah, but it just shows that the, the money in football isn't insane. Like, name out of PSG, £198 million. Yeah. 2017 was that? Yeah, yeah. Incredible. Yeah,
0: I, yeah, I think... Well, well, they talk, we talk about independent regulators stopping the idea of a Super League ever
1: coming in. What do you think about that? I think, if, I think football probably does need to be independently regulated because I don't think we can trust the Premier League, the EFL. I think it does need an outside look, but I don't think that that independent regulator should be going through with a fine-tooth comb and, you know, taking stuff out of the game. I think you just need kind of someone just to, like, step in if there's an issue. Like, you look at football clubs that have... Like, leverage buyouts is such, like, a big thing now in football. And you see some clubs in financial trouble. I think that independent regulator should be able to step in before we have another Bury situation or another Macclesfield situation. That's where the positives can come from. But I see why some clubs don't want an independent regulator yeah. is, is the premier league sides
0: which clubs do you think might suffer the prospect of an independent regulator stopping immoral takeovers from perhaps groups who maybe don't have quite the same level of human rights as maybe would be expected within the uk so any well, any that's Manchester different? city <laughs> yeah okay uh, other clubs maybe are available you have to make maybe have a, have a trip on google see if you can think of any others that harry can't seem to jump off the top of his head yeah mine's uh, on
1: blank. I can only think yeah of City. No. <laughs> yeah yeah very good very good uh i wonder, wonder what steve bruce would say. Uh, he <laughs> like, say he said that the takeover in newcastle went through thanks to him so <laughs>
0: yeah well oh well there you go. maybe he's an advocate maybe he's an advocate anyway back to international football a bit then so we, we we're looking at uh, we'll talk a lot about morals a lot about television rights and revenue and whatnot then um and when we said when we talk about it it does bring up quite some quite uh macabre not macabre because macabre's violent and bloody but quite sad images uh what would what would the word be um melancholic well, melancholic you swallowed a uh, dictionary melancholic i swallowed a dictionary 10 years ago you know that's, <laughs> you should should be able to like share it across some of the writers on our website <laughs> dictionary a thesaurus yeah definitely definitely oh. should be should be shared yeah. across uh i try my best but yeah, a melancholic um, forecast for our beautiful game. Uh, see, that's poetic. But it's not poetic because, wait, poetry doesn't. Harry, what does it mean uh, if poem poetry doesn't rhyme? What, what's the word poetry doesn't rhyme? Poetry doesn't the rhyme. rhyme. The words. Yeah, if there's no rhyme within poem.
1: This is a tester for you, isn't it? My man's gone. Blank verse blank verse yeah so this oh. that's very that was a blank
0: verse You wouldn't think
1: i had gone in english would you no
0: absolutely yeah. not with some of your no. writing no <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> um but or oh, oh, what is it now a grade three grade four
1: only the youngsters of our um...
0: after I, I have to ask adam who <laughs> used to write for our website a phenomenally talented writer D- writes for the BBC now <laughs> as amongst other people your well, mate Charlie as well, you ask him. My mate Charlie's a genius. Charlie Rowan, shout out to you. You're a very clever man. Adam as well, shout out to you. Good luck with your uh, A-levels. Um, so I'm sure uh, he'll be
1: chuffed for that. He will, he will. sat through an hour of this and go, fuck Johnny's <laughs> 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 I'll
0: make sure to edit out that F. <laughs> but, uh, anyway, yes. Yeah, so back to the international football. It's, it's one of those where... As I say, we've we've had a we've had a mixed set of results because teams are chopping and changing and flipping and flopping and not really um you know, not really taking Nations League maybe as seriously as some others. Some some are, some aren't. It, it means more to others, I guess, than some of the bigger nations. Um as far as England are going then, I mean, Gareth Southgate's coming for quite a bit of criticism recently. Um do you think it's justified? Do you think it's a bit harsh? What what where are we standing? I mean, I, I said actually about it well, actually when we when we had the World Cup. I saw Southgate a little bit like I saw Ole Gunnar Solskjaer in the sense that he was very, very good at keeping a a group happy, very likeable guy, um, very, very solid within, actually, probably better than Ole Gunnar Solskjaer when it comes to media and and things like that, actually, to be honest, very, very knowledgeable man. Uh, But tactically, I always thought that it was more about um quite a basic framework and the players would sort of dictate how well man united did which i suppose is kind of how football should be to a point the players are doing the stuff on the field but um yeah I, but then but i suppose then when when solskjaer came up against some tactical heavyweights and some managerial heavyweights that's where he really came across, and eventually it all fell apart for him when when he got more and more responsibility with the players that came in and then he just couldn't he couldn't find a solution do you think that comparison's fair and do you think that maybe Southgate has been unjustly criticised so
1: far, or would you agree with some of those criticisms? I certainly think he's been given some unjust criticism, because I think we we can't forget the the job that he's done since he came in, and that's not just the results on the page, you know, guiding us to a World Cup semi-final, you know, losing the losing the Euros on a lottery, which is a penalty shootout. And, you know, in terms of the stuff he's done behind the scenes with England, and in terms of uniting a dressing room and making, you know, this England squad... You know the camaraderie they have off the field is unbelievable and it's something that we never had with the golden generation. and like I think you know what could have been if Southgate was in charge of that side you know 10, 15 years ago? So I think, yes, I think he's had some unjust criticism, but when you look at it, you know he's got to start winning stuff now. I think if Southgate doesn't win the World Cup, then it's ultimately a failure. I think we're in a position now where England have got no excuses on the international stage. We're not going into a tournament like we did in 2018 and going, oh, let's just see how far we can get. We are going to the World Cup with a sole purpose, and that is to win the thing. We've got a fantastic squad. We arguably have the best side in the world for me. So I, I, other than maybe Brazil and France, who's better than England, Johnny? Because I've seen you like shaking your head there. But I think when you look at our team, we all, like, I think when you look at other international squads like France, we all go, oh, my God, Pogba plays for France. When he plays for his club, he's a joke. So I think we have, I think we, we, we bull up other countries a lot. Mm-hmm. But I think England, pound for pound, probably have the biggest and best squad going. Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? I think, compared to Italy in the Euros as well, because I think half of those players that were sat on the England bench in the final would have walked into their starting 11. I
0: don't know. Okay. I mean, we say, we say that, and you say that, Harry, but. Okay, back three, back de- central defenders. Are they are they up there with the rest? I'd say no.
1: You I'd picked uh, our I'd... weakest pass. Goalkeeper. Don, what Don or Pickford. No, I'm just saying
0: generally. I wasn't comparing to Italy. I was just saying generally going through the team. Pickford, good goalkeeper, but not world class. Center backs, good center backs, but not world class. Much better full backs. Left back, no. Right back, yes. Um. Central midfielders, not world class, but good. I would say good. Declan Rice isn't world class, but he's very good. Ooh. Jude Bellingham isn't world class, but he probably will be. But he's not, he's very good. Calvin Phillips is a solid, solid workman like pro, and obviously Henderson's got a lot of experience. I won't call it world class. Um, Attacking midfielders Foden, Grealish, Mount. None of them are world class, but they're all very good. I think they're all very good players, all, all different. I think Mount's per, the best, I suppose, for the, the tactical side in terms of defending and, and, and keeping up an organised shape, but he's also tidy on the ball. Grealish is the least good tactically, but probably the most exciting. Uh, and Foden's a bit more like Grealish, I'd say. but Probably the most
1: talented. Yeah,
0: be. probably got the biggest ceiling, hasn't he, Foden? But he's probably, none of them, I'd say, were world-class. The only world-class player England have, world-class players, OK, world-class players England have. Trent Alexander Arnold, one. He doesn't he's not even guaranteed to play, but I would say he he's probably one. Harry Kane, two.
1: I think Raheem Sterling's I'd on the curse. i can make an argument for Sterling to be fair. He's on so the cusp. see, I see world class, and I've said this before. What on... do you think about Kyle Walker? Because I think he gets a yeah, lot. Yeah, of... yeah, say yeah. I'd Kyle yeah, Walker's yeah,
0: world yeah, class. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would. Yeah, fair. I would also say that. Also, I'd say top five, uh, top five in a position's world class. If you can't name five players better in that specific position, I think you're world class. And Sterling's arguably fifth in the left wing set kind of position, arguably, because you'd have. I think Neymar, over the, you can debate what you want about Neymar, but unbelievable footballer for me. Yeah. And then you'd have Son Mane also on that left-hand side for sure. Vinicius Jr. is, is the upcoming thing, isn't yeah, he? Maybe even Diaz
1: you can like throw maybe. In there. I, I, I don't think, think he's better than Sterling, but I think... No,
0: I think I think Vinicius Jr. for what he's done at Real Madrid this season, he's come on such a... He's going to be one of the best players in the world easily. Also, Kylian Mbappe as well, you can throw on that side as well, because he, unless he's up front.
1: Yeah. And then
0: Sterling's either fifth. Depending on if who's up front, if they're not up front, or depending yeah. on what you've Sterling's said, Sterling's
1: world class, I think. To be Possibly, fair.
0: but all right, that's that's three. You know, it's not like England have ten world class players. I don't think.
1: But Let's as an all round at... squad, I think I don't think there's many better, if not any, because I mean you look at France, right? Okay. Okay. W- world class okay. players for France: Mbappe, Benzema, Mbappe, Benzema, Kanté. Used to be, not now. No,
0: I, I would say still, still when he's got the fitness, arguably. Can we play forty-five uh, minutes now? He's he not world can, class anymore. Still, yeah. Um, I think obviously you, Pogba on his day, no. on
1: his day, de- you know.
0: No. No. But he's played at the highest level. I mean,
1: he's, he's an incredibly talented footballer. No one can take that away from him. But there's mm-hmm. a reason why he's still not a Man United, and he's not smashing it every single week for them. But,
0: Varane as well. I mean, Varane, you could know... God, he's a FIFA no, merchant. No, 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 no. You can say that. But again, Varane playing for France has been usually very, very, very... I mean, he's a World Cup winner. A lot of these are World Cup winners, Harry. That's the thing, what makes me think. OK, if they're not... We talk about world-class and maybe you're right on some of those. Benzema and Mbappe side. yeah. I would still argue Kante, maybe, but mm, depends what depends how you want to play. Um, But they've all won a World Cup and they've all... Won, a lot of them have won things in their career whereas a lot of England players haven't a lot of England players haven't won that Foden of Grealish is just won one got absolutely tanked because he did it he, also that's...
1: helps that a lot of the French players do play for Real Madrid yeah but
0: the, whereas our, makes, as, our, our, weird, our players it?
1: in England stay in the country usually it's very <laughs> rare you'll see an England player go abroad Bellingham very ra- it's a very rare case though isn't it Sanchez. very rare Tamori is, is rare and Tamori is he just, he just being called up yeah, as it should have, should have been called up before, shouldn't it,
0: really? Um, OK, then. Debate about that. I mean, Germany, I'd argue, is similar style, similar standard to England squad. I would argue they, they are at a similar
1: level for me. I would say we have a better squad than Germany. I think the only two... I would say the only two sides I would say you could go probably better than England, maybe France and Brazil. I think Brazil are probably the Brazil favourites. Brazil is very to win. good, yeah. Brazil, Brazil is good. are the favourites. And I think yeah. a lot of it... What do you think of the argument regarding the climate in Qatar? I know a lot of these uh you really mean that. the weather
0: climate or just the, just the human rights generally
1: the weather the weather all right okay. <laughs> I all week, but i think it's a big disadvantage for england because obviously we don't have the time to acclimatize and like 40 odd degree heat it, yeah it doesn't mix well for england i think if anything it strengthens the hands of other countries not use it as an excuse but i think yeah it's not ideal
0: no yeah um yeah fair point i don't know I, I, There'll be ways of doing it, won't there? I mean, England, last time we played the World Cup in Brazil, England were terrible, weren't they? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, what um was it out on... It
1: was out in the groups, wasn't it? In Brazil, I think. Yeah. yeah. Because Costa Rica won the groups, did yeah, 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 Costa, yeah, yeah. Costa, Costa, It was Italy, Italy England Uruguay, yeah.
0: uh, and uh, Costa Rica was Everyone
1: from was like, oh, England and Italy will, will go through, and they <laughs> yeah, both went out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So. Um, so that was,
0: yeah... I don't know. I, I think I think there's ways of finding it because you could say that, but then what about Germany as well? They, they're going to have that problem, and what about, yeah. what about European teams?
1: European teams are gonna, Well, maybe South not Spain. Teams I think, likes of Argentina and Brazil, will, will benefit massively from.
0: Yeah. Quite possibly. Yeah. In terms of
1: World Cup, who have you got? Who do you think? Brazil for me. I, think.
0: I, I would say Brazil. It's been a while as well, hasn't it, for Brazil? Yeah. um But they've got, they've got. Look, I mean, the, the, the two goalkeepers, Allison and Edison. That's yeah. unbelievable, isn't it? That's I mean, I, that's, that's, that's me,
1: two world class players in one position.
0: Exactly. For me, I think though that, I mean, on that level, I do think Allison this year has shown himself to be a, a sizable distance but above Edison, just on a shot stopping level. I mean, Edison's. A, passing second to none, isn't it best in the world probably with noia Neuer, noia's always been good at that but uh yeah i think i mean those two marquinhos as well very good center back very very good center back um uh fabinho doesn't even start regularly because casemiro's there bruno
1: game arrives on the bench for them that's the biggest eye-opener for me yeah. if, like a player of his quality sat on the bench like mm. fred starts for them that's you know yeah and yeah. the attack as well. I mean, Vinicius Jr., Richarlison, Neymar, Neymar. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. Gabriel
1: it's, Jesus. It's, it's,
0: is it's good, fighting. isn't it? It's good. It's good. I think Brazil could do quite well. I mean, Brazil... Weird argument for Louis Van Gaal and, and the Netherlands actually because I
1: think they could do. They I think do they might do alright. Okay. Yeah, yeah,
0: because I think Louis Van Gaal's up there with the best, strongest managers in, in the in the Euros for sure. He's got the he's got the pedigree, hasn't he? At, at club level, he's done it. Obviously, United it wasn't great, but no one's really done well at United post Ferguson, so um, I wouldn't hold that against him. And the the squad seems to be right behind him. He's had his uh, health issues, hasn't he? Um, with cancer, but he seems to be over the worst of that now. So I think they'll be really fighting for him in, in Qatar for sure. Um. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, from Southgate's perspective, then, you know, we've got Hansi Flick for for Germany, you've got Luis Enrique for Spain, Van Gaal for Netherlands, Didier Deschamps, who's like almost mourinho S but less X-Factor for um France. Yeah. A bit of an underwhelming one, really, but he has actually won the world cup with them, so you can't really. And he got to the final of a euro, so he's not. I mean, it's a really, very good squad, so you can't hold too much against him, though. Fernando Santos won the 2019 Nations League 2016 euros for Portugal, but again, widely regarded as a bit of a dinosaur with a
1: very good squad, yeah. essentially. Where yeah. does Gaspar Portugal here? as well? I mean, yeah, in terms of like world class players, I mean, like Joel Cancelo, Ronaldo, I'd say even Bernardo Silva's creaking on world class. a lot
0: of people feel that Santos holds them back a little bit with with mm. quite negative tactics uh or a lack of an attacking plan I mean you watched Germany and England actually fairly recently and Hansi Flick you can see his impact already they were playing in triangles quick football mm-hmm. uh they weren't having to think about where they were passing it all looked quite all well well put together yeah. um and that's the sign of a, of a top level you know club manager who can put a philosophy on it do you not on... think
1: that Southgate would benefit massively from having a very good tactical assistant alongside him a bit like what Gerard's doing at the minute, bringing in someone from Blackpool at like the manager, Neil Critchley, yeah, Neil Critchley to like come in and take charge. because I think that's maybe what we're lacking. I think Southgate, I, I think he's probably the best England manager of my lifetime, 100% for everything yeah. he's done, but I still think that he gets done tactically on the big stage, and that is a big worry. I think if you had an assistant in who, you know, has got that experience of management and maybe has a little bit more of a tactical nous, then that that could benefit England massively in terms of the World Cup.
0: It's a fair shout. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, it is a fair shout. I mean, to be fair though, we don't notoriously see—and I know you said with Critchley—but English managers over the over stereotyping times aren't necessarily seen as tactical overlords, are they? they're seen no. as more. What's well, the I reason
1: think... why no English managers ever won a Premier League title? No, Scottish though. Scottish? Yeah. Kevin Keegan should have won it, but he didn't. Yeah, so. he didn't. No. So,
0: yeah, I—I th- I, I mean, I mean, Hansi Flick. To be fair, when you look at him, he spent a lot of time in the shadows. You know, in 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 very covered, you know, very low profile roles before taking his role at Bayern as manager and doing a wonderful job. And it's almost like the patience paid off because he obviously learned so much, obviously knew that club inside out. And then he thought, well, the next best thing after Bayern for him was was the Germany job. Um, and he's done really. I think I think you're right. To be fair, I think I think they could get some kind of tactician in. But surely then, I suppose as well, the head manager has to have a good tactical brain as well. Yeah. You see, the best managers in the world have that, don't they?
1: I mean, he had, the thing is, with the Euros, I mean, he had a big coaching staff, because I, I know Graham Jones, he went in yeah. and did a bit. So I think th- that'll be the same sort of thing at the World Cup. It's not like, a, you know, for like a club manager, you'd have, you know, the assistant, you'd have the head coach, and you may have, you know, one or two other people. I mean, Southgate had about a team of like six or seven going out yeah. to the Euros. So yeah. I think there's a clear understanding there that maybe his knowledge isn't great. But look, let's, I, I don't think, I mean, I've seen a few people saying we should sack him before the World Cup. <laughs> I think that would be crazy. Steve Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Imagine. Think,
0: to be fair, I think I think it's interesting because um Southgate as you know it, I was arguing when when Southgate did well last time as well that I know Italy to fair under Mancini, Italy aren't going actually to the World Cup, which is um obviously a big surprise. But at the Euros they were a team that had an identity of philosophy and played in a certain style, which was clearly worked on over many years. But my I suppose I argued that Southgate and many other managers at the time, Didier Deschamps being another one, they didn't necessarily build a philosophy on the team or try to do so much of a philosophy so intricate because they didn't have the time to do it. So the next best thing would be build a solid, um, organised shape and then rely on the individuals to, when you get the ball, create something and score goals and, and see off the opponents. Do you think when the you back five
1: holds, holds England back in that respect then? Because well, have know. got some can... great players going forward.
0: Yeah, but then you say that, but... Um, some of the some great teams play back. I mean, Antonio Conte too, called a huge figureheads for the back three. Germany play back three. Julian Nagelsmann wants to play back three at Bayern. By all accounts, get to that get to that and to be prominently running with that. So it's a very big. It's a very um, good system. It's it's, it's a seen as defensive system. It's not as a defensive system if the wing backs act as they should do, which is where you can have five in attack at some sometimes. If you play three four three, you can win with five in attack. If you want a defender lead, you can have five at the back. So it depends how, who you've got at the wing-backs. I personally don't think it holds England back too much because you can play Walker as that right centre-back. He's, like, covering the line with his un, un, unlimited pace. And then you've got, you can push Trent Alexander out on further forward with that licence he has at Liverpool, or you can play Rhys James there, who plays there for Chelsea. On the other side, probably Chilwell's my pick for when he comes back. Bombing on down that side, more of an attacking full-back than he is defending, which is what you need to be a wing-back, a good wing-back. Uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't think it holds England back. I think you could even. I think I'd go Tamori as well on that left side of centre back role. For me, he's got yeah. the pace and the agility, so that you can play a high back three line. You played Maguire there. We saw against Germany as well with the offside goal. Maguire playing. The thing that, is, Maguire's
1: gonna start. He's
0: gonna start at the World Cup. Well, again, it, it's interesting. I personally wouldn't, but you can understand Southgate's thinking. Look, this guy's done brilliantly for me in the tournaments, and he has. I remember when England were playing in the recent Euros, when England were playing with Tyrone Mings at, set, at left centre back, he did nothing wrong, really, in those games no. he played. When Maguire came in, the key difference was Maguire was looking with line splitting passes, not hard passes, but he was looking up and he was trying to play 20, 30 yard forward passes, whereas Mings was going sideways and it was it got England up the pitch more. So he, he's not he has done well for England, notoriously. I feel hard, harsh for him. I feel bad for him when he gets the critici- criticism. Even from the um, from the fans and others, when people see him starting, they're looking for him to make a mistake. But for me, in that back three shape, you can I think Tamori and Walker. Imagine having those as your right and left centre backs. So much pace and aggression. Play it how Chelsea play it so effectively. You know, with a high pushing up aggressive back three line, and in the middle you can have Stones, but you can also have Eric Dyer, who's been fantastic for Conte in a back three. So I know there's a lot of criticism for it. I play a back three personally, but. You know, everyone says, oh, look at all the people you could have in attacking areas. But no, I I, I think I, and someone on TalkSport was saying this, I forgot it might be Scott Minto saying that England centre-backs aren't particularly good anyway. So, or, or they are good, but they're not at elite level. We so don't if, have like a uh, like Chiellini,
1: do we? Like... No, no,
0: no, no. And if we did play with two, I'd probably go with Stones and Tamori personally. Because Stones is probably England's best centre-back in terms of, for form even though he's in and out of the City team and the experience he has and the composure he has on the ball, I'd probably say he's probably just about now the best centre-back at present. Obviously you say Tamour is more informed, but he's not quite got the international experience but play him alongside Stones and I think that'd be my two yeah. but in a three you can put Walker in as well. Then in a four as well Harry you're probably going to play Walker aren't you at right Over back. Trent, yeah. And then you don't play Alexander-Arnold, you don't play, play Reese James arguably two of England's best players mm-hmm. so then you have that dilemma so it you know you can play with another attacking player or you can play with another right back. I play with another right back, but that's that's a that's a toss of a coin. But this see, what happens when you've got is, a very
1: very good team. But the
0: beauty is to have two systems that you can play, and then if you're not one's that working, it up. you can switch it up. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: So w- what you, I mean, what would you do then? You t- you ask me. What would I do? Yeah. See, I see the argument for the three, but I just think that it would kind of nullify and made, like we wouldn't have. The wing options that we would usually you know maybe a 4-3-3 I think maybe would benefit England more and who but... would
0: you play then if, if you were if because uh, I'm saying it frees free, free, free up a Rhys James or a Trent Alexander-Arnold
1: mm-hmm. on that on that side who would you play if it wasn't for them then in that other attacking position what well, and so to be honest I think you could get away with Trenton 4-3-3 as long as you have like a Declan Rice kind of there to maybe fill in for that position when he wants to get forward because so we've mm-hmm. seen it you know it works for yeah. Liverpool what about Rhys James This is the problem when you've got fantastic fullbacks. I mean, you'd you'd say that Rhys James is more suited to being a a right-back in a four. Yeah. But he plays in a back five for Chelsea. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Walker's probably the only one that plays as as an out-and-out right-back. Yeah. So what do you do there? Because if you're playing a back four, I'm starting Kyle Walker. Yeah. Because you're not going to play him as a centre-half, are you?
0: No.
1: We've seen the argument for Trent in midfield, but we've seen him play there before. And it's definitely, he's much better as a right-back. And plus, if you play a four-three-three, really Rice is more of a number eight, isn't he? Mm-hmm. So you'd have what would you have? Rice, Bellingham. Who would be your other rhythm? Callum Phillips, wouldn't it? You'd have to play. It'd be Phillips. Phillips, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But then you'd have
1: that would be enough defensive cover for Trent to no, play but then, right back. Then
0: would you not play four-two-three-one and just play with slightly deeper wingers? Because that's like a four-two-three-one. Usually, it's like the Rice defensive midfielder kind of person who's the then box, Bellingham. The so would you have
1: Rice for... and Bellingham holding, or would you have Bellingham as a is the attacking more than the a
0: Why
1: the No, in a four two three one. The four two three one, I'd probably play Rice and Bellingham. Rice and Bellingham, and then yeah. you have. Would you? I think I'd be tempted to put Grealish through the middle, but I think he'd play Mount, will not he? I think South. Oh King. yeah, play Mount. I mean, it'll probably be Sterling, Saka, Kane. Okay. Sterling, Foden. Mance. No, I'd play
0: Saka, I think, won't Foden.
1: Yeah. So That's another one. one with good defensive cover as well, though, for those for that back four in terms of getting back and defensive.
0: Yeah, but the thing is, yeah, uh, I don't know, it's, it's, it... the thing with, the thing with England as well, and I think, the thing with Southgate, and he has done a phenomenal job, and I think agree, best manager of the 21st century for England, but you look at the way England won those games, it was a bit of a lottery in certain moments, wasn't it, like, you felt like,
1: Germany, there was the, the Muller chance, so if they Müller-chan. scored that, then I think they probably would have went out to win that game, yeah, and it's a huge game, with Kane and the penalty,
0: yeah, yeah. You know, so there, there was a, the only convincing performance in that game was the Ukraine, wasn't it? Against Ukraine, the Ukraine win. 4-0. And then the
1: thing is, even in the groups as well, I mean, like Croatia was a dicey 1-0 yeah. win, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, there so, is a lot, isn't there? Like, it's one, fine margins, slightly we team. I mean, we looked, we were so defensive, I don't think we conceded a goal until we played Denmark, yeah. Yeah. So the defence was solid. It was just if anything, it was the attack and output where we all thought probably going into the World Cup, we were going to be winning games 3 2, 4 3. It was yeah. not like that. Yeah. So no, it's no, you no, can no. see why it's difficult for Southgate, because it's not like he's got he's got a great squad, but he's mm. got a lot of fantastic players all in the same position.
0: Yeah.
1: Whereas like if you t- see we've got like three world class right backs, you know, maybe mm. James is not, we've got three fantastic right backs who would probably get into nearly every side in the world. Mm. If, if we just had one of them playing centre half, that would be fantastic, but we don't. Or left back. Well, that yeah. quite a good left back, but yeah. Even, even Trippy is good at left back, I think, but he's clearly not. A, he's clearly not a left back.
0: No, no, no. Well, I mean, good Trippier, he's good
1: against Germany, though. If anything, I think he's probably one of the best players.
0: Yeah, I don't think Trippier should probably go
1: either. I mean, with all due respect, good player, but. I think he should go, but I'm going to say that. Yeah, I just, but I think for his who, his who doesn't go? Is, what instead of? Yeah. You say so so you're I'm taking take, him, over him over. i as a left walk. back. I'll take him as a uh, left wing back. Oh. So Chilwell and Trippier, because I think he's, I think a lot of players get called up like to kind of Cole sure. for their for their for their leadership qualities. I think that's a it's a huge huge thing to have in terms of Southgate keeping a positive Happy dressing camp. room with with with. Well, I, th-
0: I think that's why James Madison doesn't go excited. Like we said, James Madison, he yeah. seems like a pretty sound guy, but mm-hmm. he's like a Love Island wannabe, isn't he? Yeah, and I feel like Jack Grealish is like that, but with Jack Grealish, there's such a media like. Demand for him to be there. He can't turn that down, Southgate. With Madison, it's he's like the lesser of the two. So he's like, well, I'm not bringing them both, but I'll bring really. I think that's because like, like,
1: like... he knows him and he can probably trust him when he's on camp. It's like if you put the two together, I you crack it? a night out with him
0: Yeah, but it would chaos does. in the in the uh, in the camp.
1: You'd imagine looks, I mean we don't see that. It's just an outside view looking in, but it's a uh, yeah. You can see you'd why. imagine, wouldn't you? But that we've got a lot be... of great players in them attacking areas. I think, uh, to be honest, should have went over Mason Mount, but. Mount, he always gets called up. So And to
0: be fair, Mount, Mount won Chelsea's Player of the
1: Year and he got... a great uh, season. Yeah. He had a very good season in terms of numbers. So. People don't like him because he's the poster boy for... It seems that everywhere he goes, every manager likes him, but yeah. there's a reason why because he's, he's a, a great footballer. He's a nice
0: guy as well, isn't he? He's a good footballer. So. And, 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 and a nice... And, you know, someone who doesn't, like, go mad or have any... He do not really have any... Model
1: footballer is really, isn't he? Yeah.
0: Where yeah. he yeah. conducts yeah.
1: himself on and off. Harry Kane's the same, isn't he? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely right, there's there's lots of players. I mean, Rice is a future captain, isn't he? I think. I think he will. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah, I don't know. It'd be interesting. I think. I, I, where do you think England will finish in the in the World Cup? Right, right? It's hard to say because I think it's it's set to be a tough running if we if yeah. we win the group. I think we've got to, we'd have to play Netherlands, Brazil, France. I think route to the final. So it's hard to and say. And that would
0: be a complete contrast to the running against uh, in, in the Euros, where it yeah, was kind and the of, World Cup.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: it was kind of nice, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, both of those.
1: Yeah, just exactly my, I think everybody's like ethos for this and you know for the World Cup is to be the best. You've got to beat the best, so you may as well get them out of the way on the way. I think to be fair, probably quarterfinals World Cup for me. I'm not expecting an awful lot. I expect us to win the group. I think the Wales being in there might be a bit of a problem for us. A bit like Scotland were in the Euros in yeah. terms of cup final. This is this yeah. is their moment, you know that sort of thing. I yeah. think England and Wales will actually go through first and second. Yeah. to be fair. Um, i know there's a lot of hype about the usa i I don't know a lot about them this season this this tournament but i don't think they'll qualify over wales uh but tough running i think they'll play the netherlands in the quarterfinals england if they win the group i expect them to get past them but i think they'll meet france in the quarterfinals that might be one step And even then like i said the netherlands are dark horses i think for me the thing is it's one of those ones where if england beat france in a quarterfinal i think they'll go on and win it it's all about it's all about confidence and momentum in these tournaments. Like Italy. You every, said that with Germany, wouldn't you? When England played Germany in the Euro, yeah. it was like the first game. Like for Italy, though, like their first game at the Euros, we all knew after watching them on that first night where they won. I think it was four or five, and it was like, mm. yeah, this could be the team that goes on and wins yeah, it. And yeah. they just had that momentum and carried it all the way through to the end. So, look, it's a, it's a tough run for England. It's not ideal in terms of when the season's ending. It's not ideal where it is, but you never know. We've got a great squad, and hopefully they deliver. But I don't think there should be huge expectations, even though we should be winning it. You just
0: say, you said <laughs> that,
1: I I you that. So. <laughs> I know, I know. I think we should be winning it, but I don't think it's like, I wouldn't be surprised if we got knocked out in the group stages. It's a mad one. The group stages
0: know. of Wales, the US and Iran. Mm.
1: I've seen us get, I've seen us get knocked out. I've, I've, well,
0: I've, there was the 2010 with Algeria um, and uh-huh. Slovenia. USA, USA. And that was second, wasn't it? Second. Everyone said, oh, they will easily get, they'll easily get, we will easily get first in that. Because
1: no. the the sun's headline was like easy, and it was like Yanks, that yeah. was all like done sort of thing. Yeah, when's the sun ever got anything wrong? I've be, I've been I've been scarred too many times by England, but I think that we should be going there to win. Yeah. but I wouldn't be surprised if we fell short. Yeah. Spectacularly. I'm think I don't know whether you're the same, but I think you're gonna come with some philosophical approach here of how we're gonna get knocked out and I don't
0: know. Yeah. I don't know. I have really thought about it too much to be fair. Too much, think about too much to be fair at the moment. There's a few months, a long month well, six months or so till till the tournament near enough in November and then goes into December. So I don't know really. I mean there was a lot of people saying I mean on Channel Four they were saying, Oh, what what's it gonna be like when <laughs> players take the knee in Qatar? And they're gonna be like, Oh, that's what they were sort of saying. I mean, Qatar's not necessarily known for not that but it, it's got its other issues hasn't it in terms of mm-hmm. um in terms of all of that going on um what do you make what do you make about the whole kind of um you know uh because it started to there was quite a lot of coverage about taking the knee blah 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 there always has been it's ramped up again because hungary booed it didn't the hungary booed the knee but what are your general thoughts on the whole matter in terms of like should I, never offended me. In fact, I I, yeah. I understood the message of the of what what was trying to be said. Some people said it was it was uh, the movement of Marxists trying to corrupt the game, which I thought was a stretch. To be fair, but I guess they make a, some people make a valid point, not on that, but on the sense that when you go to a country like Qatar to play football and you and you you go to take the knee, well, this is a country that you know homosexuality and LGBTQ and, and plus is basically illegal and there's so many other moral issues that go on over there um slave labor supposedly and women's rights are very much limited uh so how far can you really go with like going over there obviously you take the knee but then you sort of play and have ignorance to all the other issues that go on
1: Do you not know, think if anything though it's like if anything it's only going to bring a good message to people maybe running that country to Change the way that I they hope so. change the way that they govern their country. Because yeah. I think like the the take and the knee thing, I understand. Like, I think a lot of people don't actually understand the message of what's behind taking the knee. I think they just see the whole thing of like, oh, it's it's a whole thing around the Black Lives Matter thing and it's Marxist like stuff that you brought up there. When yes. really it's not. It's just you know highlighting, you know. An issue of of racism and said. Do you think that
0: uh, Jordan Pickford's leaning and thinking about the Communist Manifesto when he does it?
1: Obviously not, is it? But the thing is, we've seen players who have their own gestures, like Wilfred Zaha, he won't take No. I think it should be the player's choice, but ultimately, if any, it's it's, it's a positive message that it's given out, and if that's going to help to break down barriers in countries and, you know, make a, a change for good and better in countries like Qatar, then I think Although, to be fair, be Qatar,
0: I, I think it's less about, certainly less about Black Lives Matter in Qatar as it's no. more about it's, it's certainly a lot about other things. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, Matt as uh, has his <laughs> he's, he's more on with the mark. Has he been think,
1: banned on Twitter yet? I mean, I no,
0: know, to be fair, fair to Matt Letizia, I'll give him this, right? I don't agree with everything he says and I think sometimes he gets, I I, I think he's going off on random tangents. Is he still peddling that COVID's a hoax and all yes, that sort yeah, of stuff? Yeah, that kind yeah. of stuff, yeah. But I will say that He he does listen to other people and he has the right to say what he thinks and he doesn't do it in an angry, crazy way. No. even though I don't agree with him, he has the right to say what he thinks. He's not assaulting anyone, not bullying anyone, not attacking anyone. He's just saying what he thinks and what he sees of the world. And he's, he has an absolute right to say that, even if I don't agree with him. Anyway, just a little <laughs> bit of a touch on the, uh, neither does Harry. I don't agree with everything. I agree with some of the things he said, but not not most. definitely about the COVID being a hoax. Yeah, oh, yeah, a stuff. Nonsense, yeah, a load of nonsense. A load of nonsense. But, uh, yeah, on the, on the topic of the Premier League, then, just briefly, and, and just football in general. Well, well, actually, we'll just touch on Zidane first. The, expected that Zidane might take over at PSG. Uh, Might not do, but he might do. Harry's favourite club, (laughs) which is ironic because he's also, you know, Newcastle are also owned by a club that are significantly wealthier than most other owners. But I always see with PSG, I I thought there were three managers that could maybe what is it? Maybe be the Oracle, the the one that delivers the, the Champions League. Three, I thought, three managers. I'd have said Zidane Mourinho and Ancelotti. Ancelotti's at Real Madrid, mm-hmm. so I'm probably not going to go. And he did manage PSG in the past, uh, but they were sort of coming uh, into prominence. then. Ibrahimovic was the poster boy when he was there, and they were sort of building up that, look who we are, a powerhouse team. But I think now, if he wants to take over, he could possibly take them all the way. I do think... Because he's got... Those three managers are very unique in the sense they're not reliant on philosophies. They don't have this proper vision about how football should be played. There's no intricate style or system they want to put onto players. They look at the team they have. And if these players are world class, they will say, right, we're going to get the best out of you all. And we're going to do it in this way. And we'll try and list Ancelotti and, and Zidane. I mean, Ancelotti is like the... the, the the step teacher isn't he or or the you know the teacher that comes in when the main teacher's away or everyone likes and the the supply teacher but he's
1: very good he's very good so underrated still after everything that he's won
0: i I say supply teacher in the best sense because i'm saying that everyone likes him more that more so than the usual the previous manager in most cases and he he just gets people on side like when real madrid were playing man city uh and they had to go through he literally said to them right Tony Tony Crows who got him to the side he got another Modric as well and he said right what do we do what should we do guys and he puts the emphasis onto the players and lets the players work it out and he gets into the psyche. Mourinho similarly does different methods different tactics not necessarily as well like Sancelotti but he puts the emphasis on the players and if he's got the world class players he's not going to try and make them do what he wants in an attacking sense as long as they defend well I think he sort of says right you do the stuff up the pitch freedom but you've got to defend well but he'd get them sort of putting the emphasis on the individuals. which is what psg
1: need because they've got a team packed with individuals but they've got no they've not got they've got a great team but i don't think they've got a great squad in terms of there's there's certain positions like they're they're crying out for like a they would have been perfect getting too many that's the sort of thing they probably would have needed yeah um but i think with psg i think whoever comes in he'll win everything domestically barring. You know, when those the three though
0: I think have the opportunity I just think the way they are managing oh, the managers and they have they're the yeah. ones Pochettino would never work and it, no. because number one he was never big with egos anyway he, he used to manage young players and number two he wants to build a philosophy and most of the players at PSG think they're exempt from a philosophy of having to play here at this time and here at this time mm-hmm. fair enough if they're defending but in reality those players up top really just want to be told right do do your thing
1: let everybody else crack on but without without having a solid like midfield core behind them Mm. they're going to struggle i think psg are more interested in being a fashion brand than they are a football team Mm. because i think signing messi yes fantastic in terms of revenue and money and shirt sales but was it really what psg needed absolutely not paying him a million pound a week i know they've got the money Mm. but it's obscene it's the same thing with the mbappe deal like was it make or break whether they kept him? Because what do you think on that? Because obviously, look, he's going to yeah. the heir to the Messi and Ronaldo throne in terms of mm. his, the, the pass of the beacon. He's gonna be the best player in the world when they, mm. you know, when they retire. But mm. the amount of money that they're paying him, I think it's damaging to football. And do you not think that they could have saved a bit on the wage bill there and went and actually built a solid squad, get five, you know, quality players in, build around Neymar, and have a better crack of winning the Champions League as opposed to keeping him Mbappe at the club and maybe not able to fork out on the rest of the squad.
0: Oh, yeah, I thought it was obscene. Uh, obscene because I think it's everything that's wrong, really, and why it's such a difficult club to control. It's everything that's wrong with football in the sense that the, the person who should be in charge of the football club is the manager. The manager should be the one who has all the authority. But when, Kylian Mbappe is basically the manager now. Supposedly, the contract gives him a very big say on how the club's run. And look, Kylian Mbappe, by all accounts, is a really nice guy.
1: I think it it can be good that, though. Do you know what I mean? In Mm. terms of like, because we we had a little chat off there. I'm not going to get into what we said about a certain football club and a player behind the scenes, mentioning something about a manager. Mm. That sometimes can be good because it's like the player's voice and it feels like that squad Mm. can be heard as as a unit. And he might be the man to be able to go to the higher ups at PSG and say look this is what we like to do this is what we like to change so I can see some positives from it but Mm. when a player like that's got that much authority over a manager that can't be good for a head coach coming in there to coach that team knowing that that lad up front has more power than me Yeah but by all accounts
0: Mbappe's got a a big say in whoever comes in so that manager head coach coming in will know he's got the backing of Mbappe and he's got the backing of... Until it goes wrong Until it goes wrong. Yeah I think yeah it's a weird one. Like I say, I, I, Mbappe didn't ask for this contract. I think he was all, all set to go to Real Madrid, and then you can't really turn that down, can you, as a player? I don't think I could. If I was a player and I got that contract, a million a week. But
1: how with... much was he going to get at Real Madrid? Because surely you get to the point where you're that rich. Does it really matter how much money you earn? I don't know. Ask your owners. <laughs> <laughs> ask the Saudis.
0: Um, no, I think I, 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 would, I could understand why. And also, he's only he, when he finishes the contract, I think he'll be 25 or 26. So he could, he could go to Real Madrid then if he wants, yeah. or he could go to another club then what he wants. There's no rush. It's not like he's go at Newcastle then. Yeah, he could, probably probably will won't he? <laughs> Full say of it. I want I want Blues. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you watch, you watch, He will. Steve Agnew and Clemens as his assistant. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he will, he will. El Bruso. or or, or uh, not Senor Bruce, that's Spain. Uh, Monsieur Blues um but yeah no I, I i yeah it was it's crazy it makes it really difficult cuz make it makes it artificial like you say it makes the the head coach's job very very difficult cuz he's basically at um kindergarten as opposed to um supposed to a football club because he's having to like make sure everyone's happy and, and all of that I mean Zidane can do that but he's a disciplinarian too so he, I think he has a mix of both he did he won three successive Champions League for Real Madrid didn't he and that's unheard of um, and he managed to do that by pandering to egos and making sure others worked hard and he got he got the best out of Ronaldo didn't he, he got Ronaldo playing remarkably well Benzema and then when Bale was not playing golf he was sort of playing okay for him as well and obviously he did well to keep all that together as Ancelotti's doing now at Real Madrid, to be fair, post Ronaldo. Yeah, but it's not great. It's not great. And just to touch on like the Premier League side of things briefly, um, you know, the season will be coming around quite, not right now, not really quickly, but it's not too far away before blinking. You'll be there because of course we've got the Nations League to somewhat entertain people. And then after that, we have four or five weeks, six weeks. I'm not hundred percent sure. Well, preseason
1: will be kicking off in like three weeks anyway. So yeah.
0: So it's, it, I mean, the fixtures are announced. I think in a week or so, aren't they? Are they? Yeah, that's quick. <laughs> it, is, it is mad, isn't it? So you're going to have a big, big, big like. T- so it's all coming up very, very quickly. Um, but but we've sort of heard that Frenkie de Jong might be going to Man United. Uh, because Barcelona can't afford to keep all their star players. They need some cash injection, which is sad for Xavi because you know he'd done a very good job. And uh, now one of his key players is going. I think the reason why he would be excited to go to Man United, of course, is obvious. Eric Ten Hag, he enjoyed a very good spell with Eric Ten Hag. Donny van der Beek's probably going to come back into the equation now that he's, uh, after being ostracised under Rania Consol-Sha. Uh But you're not convinced, are you, by...
1: Um, what, he- De Jong? No, I'm not. I just think it's an obscene amount of money. Look, there's no doubt in the player's quality, but I think it's another one of those ones where you go, do Manchester United really need Frankie De Jong? Is there mm-hmm. not other positions on the pitch that they need to address first before splashing an unholy amount of money on a player that once again is coming as a big name how many times are man united going to be burnt and stung by big names that ultimately don't perform mm. i disagree with you i think he's a very good sounding i think if he could if he can come you can't you know pogba's going
0: and that's kind of in the in the in the mold of a pogba uh, and pogba would have been in man united's best 11 and frankie de jong has that sort of he can probably play in a double pivot or he can play as number eight almost Box to box, got a very good passing range, can score as well. His he, Barcelona tenure has been hit and miss, but I think certainly more fans would rather him stay at Barcelona. He's, he's had a good time under Xavi. I think that uh, he can do very. I mean, you could Fred and um, and 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 uh, and McTominay. No, 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 no. I've got my mind's covered. Yeah, Fred and. Um... Frankie De Jong, my mind just went there. We Frankie De Jong as a, as a double, or you get another defensive midfielder in alongside De Jong, and then maybe up further forward you've got Fernandez or Van der Beek, and then of course Anthony supposedly linked as well from Ajax. Anthony, Sancho, Ronaldo probably in attack,
1: and even Darwin Nunez who Manchester probably United. Probably to see, though, isn't it? Superman, no, United no. have come in with more money apparently. They they Hag's tri- actually met with um, George Mendes today about. On news, they're going to try and convince him, but I, I think, suppose at least
0: he would prefer Liverpool.
1: Yeah, I be? think anybody would prefer yeah. Liverpool. I think that, yeah. if anything, has just shown the, the change in the guard between those two clubs because I mean, yeah. they're, they're the two biggest clubs in England. But you go back 10 years, if it's mm-hmm. Liverpool and Man United on the table, players are going to go to Man United. Now it's it's changed.
0: Yeah, I was reading. I was reading before that Liverpool is still probably the favourites, even though United. I mean, United I suppose they're coming in now. I reckon that would be to just sort of up the up the cost a little bit. To be fair, I still think they'll go to Liverpool. If Liverpool do get him, like I, I did tweet this yesterday, I think they will win the league. I I still have this feeling they will win the league. Mm. If they replace Mane effectively. I think the building blocks are already. I mean, gone. they've already replaced him, haven't they? Really, with Diaz. No, because they uh, they built depth with Diaz. And I think if if Mane goes, they end up starting last season weaker because. Also, well, has gone as well
1: as I know he's yeah. he's a bit part player, but he still comes yeah. on and makes a difference.
0: Yeah, if they get if they got Darwin Nunez, that would be a great signing because Van Dyke talks massively highly about him in terms of when they played against each other. And Van Dyke knows ball. He's also done very <laughs> very well uh, yeah. it, uh, for for Benfica. Clearly, a very good player because he's got the physicality, the speed, and also a, 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 an I for goal. Left-sided attacker or striker. So he has got the versatility. Yeah, I, I think they will. I think the building blocks are already there for them. With Man City, they brought in Erling Haaland, who will be very, very good, I think, but they're going to have to adjust to him. I think Liverpool have already got the building blocks from last season, so long as long uh, from the January with Diaz and, and Cavalio coming in now as well. So if they get Nunes over Nunez over the line, I do think... Um, I think they will probably pip City, based on the fact as well that City's won the last two. So you've got that added motivation just to get it over the line. And I I do think that is a genuine thing. Like when they got 98 points the season before City won it, they said, right, we're going to kick on and we're going to make sure we do it this time." they got 99 points to win the league. So I wouldn't be surprised if they managed to do it. So long as they change
1: though, I'm just thinking in terms of like Nunez coming into Liverpool potentially, it's a massive change for them in terms of like they're gonna go from having a sort of like a Firmino who's more of like a false nine jotter these small sort of agile strikers to go into yeah. a big target man do you think Liverpool will have to change their focus change their I,
0: don't, I, I don't think so so much because he, he also plays left sided attack as well so it's not like you're getting someone who's just predominantly a big strapping centre forward like Haaland is for City a big strapping centre forward Nunez has the physicality but he's also got the technique the trickiness he's first the speed. Great, though. no but he's as, as you see the, with the versatility playing left if he was absolutely useless in terms of his, uh, in terms of he couldn't do anything but finish he wouldn't be playing wide left also. You've got to, you know, he's got the versatility um, to deliver. And no, I think he did really well. And also, Mane's first touch isn't brilliant. It, it no. varies, doesn't it? it, it but he, he did phenomenally well in that forward position. When Diaz came in, he took left. Mane went up front. Mane had a new lease of life for a few months. Which, so it's actually a shame that it looks like he's going to Bayern, which, you know, that, that that's, that's the... It's a shame from that. I'm a bit surprised, to be fair. But apparently Senegalese fans told him to go, so he's going.
1: Tough... <laughs> want to replace him isn't he Sadio Mane because he's you know he's he's he's. to be fair he's probably gone under the radar more than anyone in that you know, attack for Liverpool because it's all the focus has always been on Salah being the hero mm. but Mane other than a few seasons ago has been phenomenal for them since he arrived oh yeah yeah super super mm, yeah
0: brilliant and always I'm pretty sure always got over 10 goals a season for them
1: yeah and that Salah's was.
0: always got over 20 uh, but but Mane over 10 he's still a fair you know that's not always easy even at a top club but he's consistently been outstanding yeah really tough I, I do think Nunez would be good because he's like you said he's not perfect but the
1: will make him a,
0: exactly player. and, and I think with anything perfect. with Liverpool
1: now it's like you know if they're signing a player it's going to be good, isn't he? Like, look at Diaz. He came in. He was a ready-made Liverpool Salah. player. Salah. So
0: Salah wasn't a, goal, a natural goal no.
1: scorer. Still isn't, of, arguably. But There was a lot of question marks when he signed, though. When he came in, it was like, Chelsea reject. Ooh, he's, you know, he's, he's been here before. He's not done it. He turned up and he's set the world alight ever yeah. since. Yeah. You trust Klopp with the attackers if, they, if they've got a
0: level of... of, of... Ability has shown level of ability. You trust yeah. he will get that to the next level because he's done it time and time and time again. And to have, and like I said, the importance, like I said before, is having someone like Jota to come off the bench. The problem was before Jota... Uh, well before well before Jota came even because they used to play Firmino Salamane. and now you can bring Firmino and Jota off the bench if if Nunez comes in or or equivalent by the way it could be Rafinha it could be I mean Jared Bowen's been linked as well
1: yeah
0: uh, so there are there are alternatives uh, Gakpo as well um, has been linked so it, I, I but Nunez stands out as the one um, it's important to be it for Klopp to be able to have that decision to say on seventy minutes right we're going to bring Jota and Firmino on because. I mean, there was a game against Inter Milan, actually, in the Champions League where it was very tight. And he did that. I'm pretty sure he brought Diaz on and he brought Firmino on to the Jürgen Club, and they won 2-0. And yeah. he wouldn't have been able to do that before because he couldn't. He didn't have the luxury. And that's something Guardiola's always had, the ability for one or two players to change. I'm not saying five, because that's what I was arguing last time. But he always has one or two players he can bring on and say, oh, well, we can go uh, Bernardo Silva for Mahrez. It's pretty much similar, or yeah. we could go um, sterling for Grealish again, it's pretty much similar as well. So, nice for him to have that. That's why I think they'd, they'd be my favorites next year, but they have to get that deal done or a deal equivalent done like that because Manet lo- lost very, very big blow, very big blow. Anyway, I think that wraps up uh, everything we had to talk about. Um, that's the June edition. Uh, lots and lots on the lots and lots on the table, really. I think next month will be probably a little bit more tailored towards the start of the season yes yeah, yeah. that would be so off the international scene and a lot more focus on that really um so that would be nice see if you would like to subscribe then please do you get this once a month or so so that's nice for you to absorb that viewing listening and then say oh actually i can't bother with this and then next month comes along and you think oh yeah i'll, I'll listen to this so you just have enough time to forget about it and then remember it again you would be like oh that's why we really do it good. every that's month. why we do it every month yeah um you, pff, yeah maybe I should start a YouTube channel because I've always thought I've got that modeling look um <laughs> as my uh, as my new profile picture shows like an Italian stallion like Davide from Love Island <laughs> oh,
1: uh, yeah is that what the JDF told you
0: <laughs> yeah that's what he said yeah I said who's Davide they said watch Love Island um so thanks a lot uh, thanks for listening thanks to Harry
1: yep thank you very much for listening guys much appreciated
0: like subscribe comment and all that good stuff thank you very much and see you next month